This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And yes, it is the Wednesday edition of Judd's Hockey Show. So that means we are at full strength. That's debatable. That's right. The hat trick of hosts. Judd, Jesse Pierce, of course, from uh, her own Bar Down Beauties podcast, which she does a great job on. The videos, the pre, the post game. And also, of course, find her written work at NHL.com, where she covers the wild on a daily basis. Declan Goff also... Uh, not only co-hosting, but producing a man of many, many talents. And uh, unfortunately, we are talking to you as the Wild is on a three-game losing streak. They lost to Calgary 3-1 to with an empty net goal at the X. Okay, so I see this two ways. One is you get swept by the Jets, and then you lose to the Flames. Western Conference losses that come in regulation so they're all two points it's a real problem because you got off to such a bad start that you are now plummeting again even with just a three-game skid you're plummeting again um in the playoff standings in trying to uh, grab a wild card that being said and i think you talked about this as well jess i didn't think the performance against calgary was like bad in fact i thought they played two good periods of hockey uh, but let's get into the missing players and then what our expectations should be right now, okay? So last night, Zuccarello, out. Kaprizov, out. Felino now out. Brodin still out. Letary, who's a fourth-line guy but a contributor there, he's out. And Philip Gustafson is now out, which forces 39-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury to become your top goaltender. Last night was the start of a 14-game month. 14 games in January. So starting with you, Jesse, what should the expectation be here? Because, again, I didn't think that that performance against the Flames was, like, awful by any means. But they are literally down so many key players. A lot of money that's not on the ice. That's for darn sure. Not to mention uh, John Merrill also out, which we're okay with. That's fine. He's not hurt, but he's, you know. Why why are you doing that? Why are you being mean? I'm just being nice. You're you're piling on Johnny Merrill. (laughs) And Goose should be out, too, but that's another thing. That's another story. Uh, I mean, expectations should be lowered. I do kind of have to laugh, though, because isn't this what a lot of Wild fans wanted for a bit, too? They wanted to see the young guys. They wanted to see these guys from Iowa. Sammy Walker, they finally have some money to recall him by moving some of these guys onto injured reserve. Um, So it's a really good test of the depth and what really is there for the prospects of the Minnesota Wild. Um, But, yes, expectations should be lowered, especially because, as you'd mentioned, Judd, Minnesota 
kind of screwed the pooch here. They did so poorly to start the season that they can't afford to be losing. Every team's going to go through a slew of injuries like this. A lot of teams have already done it. It's an extra bad time for Minnesota who need to get these points to every single contest, every single competition. But as you'd mentioned too, Judd, I didn't hate the game against Calgary last night. They went back to their old ways of starting very poorly. Um, and when you're down 2-0 to a team like Calgary who just got a bunch of their guys back, um, it wasn't exactly great. But I thought the, the second and third period were were awesome. A lot of hard work out there. Very gritty. I mean, it's going to be a very tight four-checking game for Minnesota. John Hines has already kind of created that, but especially without your top offensive players in Kaprizov and Zuccarello, to name a couple, it's going to be tough. So I, I think expectations need to be lowered. However... They could surprise us. This is when the Minnesota Wild reel us back in like the Minnesota Vikings have done uh, this season. This is when the Wild are like, hey, guys, just kidding. We're pretty good here. This is when they surprise you. Uh, but it would be a, certainly a big surprise if they were to be successful while these guys are hurt. I would say, I'm trying to like weigh how much of this loss is just like, yeah, on bad effort and whatnot, because I don't think that's necessarily the case. And when you're fielding a team that, what, I think like $45 million was on the ice of of a possible 81 and a half in a salary cap league. Like, damn, that is really tough. And I think that's also where, like, big picture-wise, the last few years, the Wild have remained not just competitive, but really good with, like, an 18% salary cap burden on on their roster building. And now this year, it's been even worse with all the injuries that have piled up. So it's a losing skid. Yes, they've burned points. Those are six possible points that you lost after – kind of dug yourself out of the grave you certainly aren't knocking on the door of being a playoff threat yet uh but also i i, I kind of tend to give them a little bit of a pass here just because they're literally fielding a team that is 50 percent of a salary cap against obviously a full nhl roster too uh jess what what does your understanding or intelligence tell you about who's coming back when as well because that, that that's the question to me and it sounds like Hines, in talking about what I was surprised by, because he played a really good game on Sunday, Felino with the lower body, it sounds like they're not certain on that one. So what are you, what are you hearing as far as the Zuccarello, Kaprizov, Brodeen? Like, that's a long list of really, uh, as we talked about, important contributors. Brodeen has not started skating yet. He It's not a setback. Hines isn't saying that, but obviously, as we're all kind of aware, it's a wrist-hand arm yeah. issue. And the concern is they don't want to put him on the ice if he's not feeling comfortable to fall and put weight on that. Not that he's going to be falling on the ice, but it's a caution. Uh, So he hasn't started skating. He's a little bit further away. Matt Zuccarello is skating with the group. He was a part of morning skate before yesterday's game. He skated today, even though practice was canceled. A couple guys still hopped on the ice. So I think he's getting closer. I think he's probably going to try to hurry it up even more with Kirill out, with Felino out. Uh, speaking of Marcus Felino, his injury is actually something that's been nagging him. John Hines told us it has nothing to do with the game against Winnipeg, where Felino okay. was an absolute beast. But he said it's something that's been nagging him, where it probably flared up a little bit following such a heavy-hitting game that Felino played against the Jets. Um, but it is concerning when they don't have a timetable. Usually you can say, ah, it's more of a day-to-day thing, and Hines didn't tell us that. They were still evaluating. He was a game-time decision yesterday, obviously didn't play. Uh, so hopefully we learned more tomorrow. Kirill Kaprizov, 
they John Hines was kind of somewhat transparent with us, saying it depends on how he responds to certain treatments. It depends on how he's responding to things. Now, the move to IR for Kaprizov today isn't necessarily changing the longevity of his injury. It just means that Minnesota gets some more money to play with. Same with Vinny Letary, same with Philip Gustafson. They can pull up guys like Sammy Walker. Um, Adam Beckman in Iowa, unfortunately, hurt. Jesper Belstead also hurt another goalie I know people are keeping an eye on. But uh, when those guys in Iowa get better, they can maybe be recalled now. So that's a good sign. But yeah, ultimately, I don't think I answered any of your questions, Judd. I think Matt Zuccarello is your first back. Okay. Uh, I think everybody else will take a little bit longer. That's fair. Yeah, they, I mean, they got to get these guys back. And that's where it, it's hard to like have all these AHL guys and guys kind of playing up out of their skis to a degree and asked to being playing minutes. They probably shouldn't be. And, you know, they, Wild still have some players that can make some noise. And I've, you know, I like that they're putting kind of in their, their top players on the top line and saying, hey, we're going to do everything I can to put the best possible offense up top there. And the Wild hit a couple posts last night. They could have tied the game. They could have obviously had the lead too. Uh, but they, yeah, they need to get healthy. Outside of that, it's hard. It's hard for really, really. It's hard for me to really um, kind of get down on them like I was at the beginning of the year when they still had some injuries under Dean. Where now it's just there's just catastrophic amount of injuries and how much excuses can you really make for the team? And Markstrom was great too last mm-hmm. night in goal for the Flames. I, I really liked uh, in the second period, especially the Wild crashed the net quite a bit. Like they were going aggressively going after the puck and Markstrom played great. So let's talk about expectations then. So we have clearly stated that there are a lot of guys, including guys that scored a lot of your goals out. Um, the first line, if I'm not mistaken, last night accounted for 11 shots on goal. Jules Eriksson had six. I want to say Boldy had four and Marcus Johansson had one. All right, Jesse, here's my problem with Johansson. Let's start there. Okay. So a week and a half ago or so, he scores two goals against Detroit, and he looked as good as he's looked all year long. Last night, he actually looked really good. He had chances. But can he please finish? Can he please start completing? Like, like you need him now. He's not mm-hmm. on the third line. It's not like, oh, if he gives you something, that's great. And if he doesn't, but boy, he's a pretty player. Like last night really frustrated me. Um, there was one, I want to say in the first period, Jess, where Matthew Boldy set him up. Mm-hmm. and he whiffed, and and it just drives me crazy because when I see him playing like this, this is the type of guy that could definitely save your bacon at a time like this. Can we just see him finish what he starts? Because a lot of what he did last night I liked, but they couldn't put the puck in the net, and that first line, 11 shots, zero points. And Matt Boldy's seven shot attempts, I think it ended up being two, which yeah. is pretty impressive. I mean, he, you know... And, and credit again to Markstrom and even a credit to the Calgary defense who was laying down and I think they ended up with 24 block shots last night. So that's something to consider. But my thought on Marcus Johansson, Jojo ain't got no mojo, right? He has not found that confidence. You guys like that? Yeah, I'm a rhymer. That was good. That's what I do. I didn't see that coming. I <laughs> damn near at a spit take right there. Good job. Keeping you on your toes. But yep. it's true. I think he hasn't regained that confidence. I think he started out so poorly and it started so slowly for him that he hasn't found the confidence. Now, he better up and find it. He better put his big boy panties on and figure that out because you're absolutely right. They need a player like him. He's very capable. He's a guy that you should be able to look to and say, hey, you can do this. You can do this with Jewel Eriksnek and Matt Boldy. And Jewel Eriksnek, you know, kind of talked about it a little bit last night. They're still trying to refine a little bit of chemistry. They have been doing so well with Kirill Eck and Boldy and now getting Johansson in that mix. They're still trying to figure that out a little bit. But I think Eck and Boldy will be great for Johansson. I think they can help him 
find that confidence, find that mojo, find that tenacity too. I need to see Marcus Johansson get a little gritty sometimes too. I yep. think Eric's neck brought that out of Matt Boldy. And I think he can do that for Johansson too. So there's a lot still left to be desired in Marcus Johansson's game. And it needs to be turned on immediately while these injuries are, are up front. What do you think, I Josh? felt like uh, Markstrom, <clears throat> that game felt like a Mika Kippersoff game from like 10, 15 years ago, right? Bring when, it back. Like, like Mika. No would, trap though. No, yep. No trap, but no like trap. Mika, I'm trap. pretty sure his best career stats are against the wild. Like he just owned the wild for like a six, seven year stretch there, whether it was at the saddle dome where the wild have historically struggled or even in St. Paul felt like a Mika Kippersoff game from like 10, 15 years ago. But yeah, you're going to need your mojos to step up. Like Joel Erickson X having a, a, a still a really good statistical year, but you're going to need more from those guys. Yeah, Johansson has been obviously a huge disappointment this year. No mojo in his game, but you need to get these other guys stepping up and scoring big-time goals because with the injuries that have piled up to Zuccarello and Kaprizov, it's going to be really, really tough uh, to, get, to, to obviously generate offense, so other players are going to have to step up big time. And I, I also want, want to see, and he did this certainly when Hines got the job. I also want to see Boldy play with a swagger every single game. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I understand he's not going to score in each game, but you know, like last night he did some good things, but it feels like the swagger with, without Kaprizov there now is gone a little bit. And I need to see that. Like th- this guy is a, and, and he, he again has shown it. He's a damn good player and he can mm-hmm. score goals. And I, I think the only way, if, if you're going to come out, especially if guys are lost still for an extended time into this month, if you're going to come out of a 14 game stretch in January with any hope, because there's a whole nother conversation. If this thing does go South and it won't necessarily be shocking about what your plan is. Like, does Billy say, Oh, okay. It's gone South. What can I trade? Which by the way is a very small finite amount, but um, you're going to need Boldy to play like he can play every single game. And because I feel like Eck does, like, I feel like Eck yeah. might not score all the time, but he brings it. Like there's never a time that he is not a pain in the ass. I love to watch him, watch him behind the plays and all of the crap he does. It's why guys hate him. It's why he's getting cross-checked constantly, but you'd love to have him on your team. So I don't think it's too much to ask for Johansson and Boldy to have that swagger and to have that confidence that I don't necessarily see across the, the board. And Jesse, you're exactly right. Playing with Erickson Eck should actually cause that. Yeah. Because there's never a game where you're like, boy, he seems like he took the night off. Yeah, I mean, Heinz kind of said it both pre-game and post-game yesterday. Every single player needs to have their A game. If they are going to get through this with the injures, injuries that they have, every player needs to have an A game. It cannot be a C or a B situation. You can't take a period off. And to be fair... Almost every player in the Minnesota Wild took that first period off. It just was looked really sloppy. It was yep. tired. It was a New Year's Eve hangover at its worst. Uh, but I think that's just it. I think every single player, there should be no shifts off. There should be nothing. You need you need to recognize there's a desperation. You hate to be scoreboard watching. You hate to be record watching at this point. But unfortunately, that's the position that the Minnesota Wild have placed themselves in by having the start that they did. So they need to be going from the jump every single game, and that includes every single player, even the Alex Goligoskis and the John Merrills when they're in the lineup.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Well, Goose, they won't take him out now. <laughs> they can't, no. They won't take him out. Tough, tough scene. He had a shift that that uh, our, our guy AJ pointed out last night where, like, it was unbelievable they didn't give up a goal. Like, the <laughs> poor Goose. Oh, like three turnovers. The one yes. shift where it was, like, three turnovers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And poor Goose. He he was good at one time. And, like, he still plays. Like, well, I, I can function. And it's like, oh, my God, the sport is so fast now. I feel bad. I actually feel empathy for for yeah. him. So, of this list, who do you think has the opportunity? Start with Dex to to grab to grab the the opportunity here and thrive potentially, and make John Hines and Bill Guerin have to make a tough d- decision because there's three guys that I've got from the line charts last night that are playing who ordinarily wouldn't play and ordinarily would probably be down with the team in Des Moines. Nick Patan. Jacob Lucini, Sammy Walker. So three names there. Who's going to try and and grab like Letary's spot? Who's going to actually has the best opportunity to stand out and force the Wild to have to make a tough decision when guys start to come back? I mean, I, I think the easy answer for me is Sammy Walker just because of, I mean, he accomplished everything in college. Is he, like Letary, is he more of a quad A type, you know, to amuse a baseball analogy? Is he a quad A player? Or is there just an opportunity that's been blocked from him for a long time where he can't be able to show, he hasn't been able to show that he can be a regular NHL player? I think the skill set wise, like, you know, Patan, Patan's like your safe option, right? Like he's a fourth line grinder, will give you 11 solid minutes and can maybe kill some penalties and do some things here and there. But uh, can, can a guy like Sammy Walker, who has experience of scoring a lot of goals and scoring a lot of points and generating a lot of offense, yeah, can he force the hand? I, I would say. Sammy Walker is probably the one for me just because he has a history of doing it. And now he has an opportunity. I mean, that I guess the only fortunate part of all these injuries is you have an opportunity for a guy like Sammy Walker to show that he doesn't belong as an Iowa. He's not a quad a player. He's a regular NHL player. So I think he has the most to gain um, in this situation. And Sammy Walker's a fan favorite put aside the Edina connection. Everybody loved watching what he could do. And I think in the glimpses that we saw even last season, were really good. I did not love his training camp, though, and I did not really love his preseason nearly as much as I loved watching him last season. Now, of course, that's not a fair assessment. It's a small sample size as well um, and different line mates and whatnot. So I'd be really curious. Nick Patan is the one that intrigues me the most because I've always kind of written Nick Patan off, but I really have liked what I've seen in his past two games. Like, I've just been kind of like, huh, maybe he has grown. Maybe he has matured. And you're right. Uh, Dex, I think it is probably more of that fourth line role for Nick Patan, whereas Sammy Walker has the opportunity to be, you know, third, maybe even a top six forward at some point in his career. But I would say Nick Patan is going to make a push. I think there's just something about his game that I think he's really elevated this year. And it could be the guys that he's playing with, too. Like, who would have thunk that he and Pat Maroon would have connected for a beauty of a goal last night? Uh, I mean, I just think there's something there that uh, he could make things really challenging for them to make a decision come uh, guys coming back from injury. And it, it was intriguing as well that, that Patan was actually put on that second line last night as a yeah. top six guy, Rossi and, and your good friend Hartman on the right wing, Jesse. So 
with the, with him, yeah, he looks like he's got potential. Uh, but to Dex's point, too, I'd be curious to see if you put Walker up there. Because I was really impressed last season when Sammy got his chance. Like, I, I didn't realize this. Because the end of his career with the golfers didn't impress me a lot. Mm-hmm. But he was playing center there, which was, I guess, out, out of position. He is more suited to play wing. So I guess my question is, if you put Walker with Rossi and Hartman, does Walker thrive there because of, again, to what you're talking about, it, you know, it's more skill. Um, and, I, and I'm also curious if guys stay out for a while, if John Hines will try that. Like, we'll, you know, we know once Dean had lines, that was it. We weren't changing those lines around. Uh, but will Hines be more, it, it seems like he's far more uh, accepting of trying to juggle lines a little bit. So could we see a guy like Walker get, get a chance on that second line? And if so, I do think his skating ability might shine mm-hmm. through more. Fourth line, fourth line's tough. Like you got to be very careful there. You don't want to try and create o- offense at the, you know, to sacrifice your defense. You, if you take a dumb penalty, you probably get benched. So I, I actually feel for those fourth line guys, because it's a very, it's a very specific role. And if Walker was to play with Rossi, I think that they might have decent chemistry. Yeah. And I, 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 I think it's more of though, like, like Patan and those fourth liners, like, yes, I think we sometimes overlook the responsibilities and it's not just, Hey, you're, you have to play 11 minutes because the fourth line's got to play. But I think the Jess's point that he has an opportunity where like, that's more seasonable. Like the the Sammy Walker pipe dream with Marco, like that's that's a pipe dream. I would like to see it happen, and I'd like to see him get an extended look, but they're not going to be very patient with that. I think they can be patient, right, with like a Nick Patan playing the fourth-line role, graduating into that type of role because it fits him. Right. Or like Sammy Walker and Marco Rossi, if we're playing NHL 23, different story. Like I think that, that could be a lot of fun on paper, but I don't think they'll be as patient as they would with like Patan playing fourth minutes. Go ahead, Jess. I'm going to come in like a wrecking ball with uh, some reality, though. Thanks, if Miley. a guy you can't you can't afford Sammy Walker up top here for much for very long when guys <laughs> start to trickle back. Right. I mean, yeah. the reality is if you get Zuccarello back, I don't know. I don't even know if I don't do numbers, guys. I don't do numbers at all, but I don't even know if you can afford to keep Sammy up yeah. with Zuki back. Right. So even if you get some of those, that's kind of the other reality check. Sorry to be that person raining on the black parade. You know what? We were having so much fun, and you just come in here and and start throwing cap figures around. Um, so, Jess, back to your point about goaltending too. How long do you expect? Just to guess, obviously, Gustafson to be out, and what are the odds that Volstead gets an opportunity up here uh, before the month is done? Because Zane McIntyre is definitely a guy who's here to sit on the bench. And Flurry is not at a point in his life where you can really be like, all right, Mark Andre, we're going to ride you. Um, I know that they don't want Volstead to have to play up here, but all of that being said, it sure sounded from the quotes that I saw from you with John Hines that their hand might just be forced. Yeah, I had to ask Hines about that because I believe I've been very adamant on not really wanting Velstead up here. I think I've said that on this very show. I've certainly said it on mine because I want him to have the year in Iowa. We will see him soon enough. However, I also would like the Minnesota Wild to win, and they are yeah. not going to be able to do that with a tandem of Mark Andre Fleury and Zane McIntyre. So, asking Hines, uh, Jesper has been hurt. He didn't really have any clarification as to what that is, but he did tell me, and I quote, he is coming back shortly, which means very soon, which means John Hines is also very keen on having Jesper Velstead finally come up there because, like you said, Judd, 
you can't expect Marc-Andre Fleury to ride out every other night in these games that are tough where he's seen a lot of puck too. I mean, he stopped 31 shots, I think last night or something like that. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's playing well, but I mean, that's going to wear on his 30, especially the way that he plays in the circus that he creates, which is a good circus. I love it. I love going to it. Give me some popcorn. I'm there to watch it, but uh, I think, I think yes, for, I would expect him maybe to start to come back. I haven't looked at Iowa's schedule, but maybe as soon as next week. And then depending on how much longer Gus is out, which again, sounds like his could be a little bit longer than we'd hope. Uh, then I think they do make the call down to Jesper, knowing that Minnesota needs to get these points. I think if the Wild had put themselves in a better position, yes. it wouldn't matter, right? It would be fine. You could still leave Jesper down there, but they haven't. They need to win. So they need to look at what that is, what that looks like. And that looks like uh, a Velstead appearance in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would. This is the scenario where if he was going to play, it was going to be a force hand. You know, like you, you always in. I'll use another baseball analogy, but you know, you always want to see the top prospects. Up. When are they going to call this guy up? When are they going to call this guy up? Typically, it's not always because they should or they earned it. It's because an injury happens. And yeah, and we joked on write that down. Like Mark, look, Mark Andre Fleury is is hockey royalty. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's hopefully going to pass on the wind chart here in his next start. But he's uh, he's old to cold happy Gilmore. You can't can't give him the net all the time. Look at him; he's he's too old. He's even too though old. he has nice teeth and he's very good looking, right? Like that, you can't you can't run him out there all the time. And you know, God bless Zane McIntyre. I watched him a lot in college at North Dakota. But yeah, he's. I mean, that's an emergency option. Like Zane, he'll he might have to start a second of a back to back just because they don't want to put Mark Andre Fleury on back to back nights. But you really can't count on Zane McIntyre for more than a start uh, because he's not that goalie. So yeah, will you see Velstead? This year, you actually might end up doing it. But, yeah, I don't want to rush it necessarily either. I'm kind of with you guys. All right, last thing. Start with you, Jesse. What should this league do, or what would be your idea? When when it comes to the the Brandon Dillon Saturday hit, oh, the cross-check on Kaprizov, and then the justice that we see come back and forth, and some of it's just the sport. I, I get that. But, like, as far as the hits go right now, and as far as players, I mean, hell, it extends from irresponsibility with the stick to to seeing a guy's numbers, which, by the way, all today's kids are taught don't hit the guy hard, and they're doing it in the pros, or guys don't know how to take a hit. Where do you stand with where this league is, is at in, in dispensing justice and how much blame and or culpability players need to take because all I know is that Kirill Kaprizov being out right now is unnecessary and does not help anyone. It does not help this league to have star players out. What would you do about this entire thing? Which by the way, has been a season long problem. It's not new. Mm -hmm. And it's not even just strictly designated to hockey, right? We have seen officials completely ruin games in the NFL this year. It's just, it's, there's a, there's human error, yes, and humans are going to make mistakes, and that happens. There is a severe lack of consistency when it comes to the right. NHL in particular. You look at what Brendan Dillon did to Kirill Kaprizov with the cross-check. There, the very next night, it gets called. Or you go back a couple games ago, and even Buffalo's Kyle Oposo called it out and saying, hey, how come so-and-so got a major for this yeah. where we don't or vice versa? Um, there's just no consistency. So if I'm Gary Bettman or Brendan Shanahan, like, you're reeling in these officials and saying, hey, We need to all get on the same page. And again, yes, hockey moves fast. It's super easy to be critical when we're seeing replay from 10 different angles that the guys on the ice certainly aren't. But there Mm -hmm. needs to be just a better consistency, a better accountability. Like, I think I've joked about this, but I'm kind of serious. I want officials 
to like answer the bell after game so we can ask like, okay, so what did you see? And I know certainly coaches have that right to talk to officials, but like, I need to understand how they're getting some of these so wrong, especially when it's putting players in a dangerous and vulnerable position. And when you're looking at injuries, that right. being said, the other change that needs to be made is people are going to hate this. I kind of hate myself for saying it, but there's a mentality too. there. I mean, sometimes you see red, we have seen Marcus Felino go absolutely ballistic, which is not indicative or characteristic of him. Because it's just he sees red. And I think Ryan Hartman saw red when he went at Cole Perferetti, right? I think there are certain things where that, until you can change that mindset, and I'm not saying you're going to be able to, but that I think plays such a heavy role. Because sometimes guys, frankly, just don't give an F. They're just, they are out there to hurt somebody because this is our team. You hurt our guy. We're really mad about this. Rawr, put a beat on our chest. Um, and I think that's part of the problem. Again, I think I don't want to soften hockey at all. I don't want to soften sports. I don't want to change that. But I think that's what the other facet for me is. It's between consistency on officials and then just the mindset of sports sometimes and that, you know, blocking the right and wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is a, such a complicated can of worms because Jess is right. Like officiating stinks and we can harp on it all we want. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think like as hockey, play, and I hate this about hockey especially is, yeah, it's really an eye for an eye in that. And yeah, I mean, it exists in all all sports to a degree, but in hockey, I think it's the absolute worst of, of they're the biggest culprits to a degree. And what I've always wanted to see happen, not just in hockey, but in all sports is, all right, if players are going to be fined for, you know, unsportsmanlike situations, how, how are refs not fined? How are refs not yeah. reprimanded? How are refs not also held accountable for blatant mistakes? And, yeah. Yeah, and for sure, I'm sure behind the scenes, there are those conversations or there's fines or something like that. But sure. if we're going to find players for these ridiculous unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in football or basketball, and you have a ref that is just screwing up the game across the board, and there's no, oh, we can't do it because, you know, it's a union thing, or, you know, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, F that. Like, there, there should be accountability there. Like, you just get a free pass to make mistakes? I don't think so. So I, I think that's the thing that has always fresh me, and that goes beyond hockey, that of referees. Like, there has to be more discipline. There has to be accountability for missed calls, too. Yeah. And one, I think that that there's an important talking point too. guys have to learn how to take hits now. It's mm-hmm. like because they play, you know, because they've had shields on and stop on their back the whole time. The guys uh, I, I go back to, I think it was a Flyers Devils game about a month ago. And Luke Hughes took a massive hit and he drew a penalty. And Jack Hughes, his brother, went ape bleep. But the hit was like from the side. It wasn't that bad. It's that Luke Hughes didn't expect to get hit. Okay, this is hockey, dude. That's on you. But so here's the one thing that I think, and and I think my idea is this. The league needs to install a system like the NBA has with tech fouls because Nick Cousins, for the second time in, what, a month now, ran uh, because he he ran Gabranson of Columbus, and then Gabranson attacked him and got suspended for a, a game. Okay, that's bad in 2024. Then... Cousins runs a guy from the Coyotes last night, and because nothing's been done, right, our guy Jason Zucker runs Cousins and boards him, and I don't know if he was passed out, but he was like in bad shape, Cousins was, Um, but Nick Cousins is a predator in that case, Mm -hmm. like you can't have this continue to happen, and and. Again, I think that there needs to be some very quick accumulation that gets guys suspended, because the the biggest problem now is players, and this is going to become a huge problem because it used to be, 
players are going to start to take this into their own, own hands, right? Like what Zucker did is going to become the norm. And I don't want to see a guy get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also, I also hate the fact I have no problem with going after Perfetti on Sunday. Like, cause that's a skilled guy. That's fine. But why is it with a stick? Yeah. Like, like you could put his eye out. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather hit him. Like if he gets in the zone, yeah, he's a little guy hit him. It's going to hurt. Uh, but I mean, I think they've got to come up with something here and quick because the last thing that, that they can afford is street justice. And I'm, I'm feeling like we're going to that. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling like we're going to a form of street justice that's going to, with how big and fast guys are now, it's going to have a, you know, some type of, if not tragic, really ugly result. And nobody who loves the sport wants to see that. Well, I think you're right. Hit them in the wallet, right? I, I mean, truly start there for, yep. for sure. And then, you know, suspend them if you need to as well, because a guy doesn't want to sit. Guy hates watching his team play without him because he knows he's hurt his team. I mean, you really want to get through to a hockey player in that sense let him know that he hurt the team by doing this if the penalty box isn't enough to remind you of that let him know you know you can't you can't be doing this so it's interesting have you guys ever read the book the enforcer you guys read i don't know if you guys read uh, i've read the enforcer no and i know and no i also don't read <laughs> so just you know i, I read pete jam. rose's That's my life story jam. back in back in third grade i, I read I the goldie read... shuffle about bill goldsworthy when i was in grade okay. school I, I did read the code like 15 oh years the ago. code sorry that's what it's called yeah. the code oh, yes, about the important yeah, oh no no shockingly i like i am not exaggerating i think like voluntarily i have read maybe five books in my life that is one of them really <laughs> yes. yeah. i used I'll... to read books all the time and now i'm addicted to, to my damn phone yeah. and my attention span is shot yeah thanks society I'm I'm the weirdest person. Like I would rather read than like watch the movie. Like I would just rather, and I sometimes hate watching the movie after I've read it because it changes my entire how I created the sure. characters and stuff. I'm kind, of, but I'm a nerd. Like my family has called me a nerd since I was a kid. And like, books are often thing. superior to, to yeah. what they do when when they take yeah. a film and yeah. take. If you take license with a book, it ain't gonna be the book. Right. Because even Don't if I watch the film, books. I'm going to go over to Wikipedia and find out even more about the things. Like, I just can't Absolutely. help myself. Like, I just I like that. to learn. Anyway, the code, not the enforcer, but it's about enforcers. So good, Judd. I will bring it to you. Like, it was when I was starting to really get into hockey. I was, you know, probably 17 years old. And I was, like, trying to learn more. And it just basically details, obviously, the code of enforcers and why they were there. But it was the simpler times when it really was effective. And it wasn't yes. necessarily just to be out there beating guys up like there was this whole thing and you still see glimpses of that right you see pat maroon going over to adam lowry saying hey let's do this let's brush this under the rug whatever blah blah blah. so it really enlightens that i just i loved it i thought it was great plus it's about hockey reading about sports is good guys i like to read about sports i'm saying my attention span shot really the the last thing i almost forgot jesse broke the news to dex and i and dex isn't gonna care but i do the world juniors is coming to minnesota in 2026 <laughs> ladies and gentlemen i'm clearing my calendar i'm taking those day- days off i already sent Don a tweet i won't be around for christmas the world juniors this is the greatest news i was there the last time it was played at least for one game at the met um i cannot be more excited about what i consider to be the greatest tournament Outside of like the Olympics, but the greatest tournament the that's on an annual. <laughs> you hate well, best, the Olympics. Best on best is fun to watch. I don't like it because of right. injury risk. I hate the rest mm. of the Olympics. The, the rest of the gotcha. Olympics, the old Canada Cup was great. Now, I am paranoid about guys being hurt there. But the best annual tournament in hockey, in my opinion, the World Juniors. This is a great day, Jess. 
I am so excited. It's funny. Back when I was big into gopher hockey, you know, when I, again, when I was learning hockey, I used to hate the World Juniors because they'd come and take all the gophers. They'd come in this sweep yeah. and clean house. Luckily, would. that's not the case. Luckily, the game of hockey has grown and you certainly are getting players from all pockets. It's so much freaking fun to watch. Like, I'm a little biased because having interned at USA Hockey and continuing to work with USA Hockey, it was just a part of this excitement. But there is, there's something special about it. It is the best of the best. And Team USA this year, guys. Pretty freaking good. I'm win. liking what I see out of them. Canada's out. I do hate kind of I I have some empathy for like Team Canada once in a while or Hockey Canada, excuse me, because they are so hard on those poor kids. Like these kids oh, gave up time with their family to like go over I'd there and represent your country. <laughs> of course you die, you angry old man. <laughs> they get they get hammered. Toronto, Montreal, <laughs> all across Canada. They get absolutely hammered Poor like pro- children. You know what? Again, if you're on television, if you participate in a televised event, you're taking your own risks there. So I'm very excited. I mean, I love it. The Team USA side, like, you know, America, go USA all the way. America. America. All right, Jess. Okay, Jesse, thanks much. Again, uh, check out her with Kirsten Call on um, the Bar Down Beauties podcast, which you can find a couple of times a week for sure. You can find Jesse on Twitter. You can find her videos. Sometimes she's in a bikini. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. And her written work is always at NHL.com where she uh, gives you the latest on the wild. Uh, Declan, tell the people what they need to know before we say bye-bye. Uh, pass your score. Hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening.